Hi, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Partner Buzz, the AWS partner-focused podcast in Australia and Aotearoa, New Zealand. My name is Richard Wilmot, and in addition to being your host for today, I'm a partner management solutions architect right here in Sydney. Partner Buzz is a podcast series for people in both technical and business leadership roles within our AWS partner network community throughout the ANZ region. We'll be taking a deep dive into a wide range of topics to better inform and we also hope entertain our community as we build together for our joint AWS customers. Today, I'm joined by Devyesh Shah, our AWS Head of Partner Management Solution Architecture for APAC. Devyesh brings close to 30 years of international experience in the IT industry and nearly five years with AWS. Devyesh has a particular focus on helping organizations gain a competitive advantage through technology, and we're going to dive into some details today. Devyesh, thanks very much for joining us. Hey, thanks, Will. thanks, Richard, and uh, always a pleasure speaking with you as well as the partners. Looking forward to it. Fantastic. Thanks very much. Devyesh, as our APAC leader of partner solution architecture, one of the things which I love speaking with you about is the fact that you've got such a great amount of visibility about how partners of all shapes and sizes across the region operate, and particularly how they're solving the unique and diverse customer challenges across our wider region. Absolutely. I, I mean, as you as you alluded to it, uh, APAC is uh, you know really wide and plays from both from uh, business perspective as well as cultural perspective, right? So yep. very diverse from both perspective. If you look at from business perspective, there are different geographies that are mm. at different maturity levels, right? Business maturity yep. is different, and a lot of it is also driven by culture, right? So yep. it's all going hand in hand, and we can certainly learn from each other, right? So that's, I think, the key. Um, you know, and Absolutely. we have great amount of opportunity in APAC. If you look at yep. just the APAC region and how it's growing, mm -hmm. uh, there is a lot of opportunity in every place, in a mature market, like mm -hmm. in ANZ or Japan or Korea, but also in the maturing markets, right? And we can talk I think more I, about it. Absolutely. And I think that's something I'd love to get into. And I think really what I'd, what I'd love our listeners to be aware of is the fact that um, APAC is just so widely diverse. And I think here in Australia and New Zealand, we we tend to focus on the maturing markets. We we are a reasonably mature market here, um, but I think we ignore the the level of innovation that is coming out of the rest of APAC at our peril, to be honest. Absolutely, and uh, I'll give you. Uh... I read this. I think it was a Forrester Research report that I read that talked about APAC actually is driving the global GDP growth, right? And wow. if you look at from cloud perspective, right, 37% of data centers are based in APAC, cloud data centers, this is, right? Why? It's because mm -hmm. they are meant to target not only the mature markets, but they are meant to target the maturing markets or the emerging economies, right? Mm -hmm. So when you look at APAC in general, right, you have uh, fastest growing, um, two of the fastest growing economies in India yeah. and Indonesia, right? Yeah. That followed by all the opportunities we have in these emerging markets, Malaysia, Thailand, Vietnam, Pakistan, mm -hmm. all these places. And then you have a mature market that is also part of this economy, which is mm -hmm. uh, Australia, New Zealand, Japan, Korea, Singapore. Mm -hmm. So all of these combined is a great mix of opportunities yeah. at all different levels, right? And that's what's, what's most exciting. I think it's an entirely right. And I think that 
it's that diversity across our region which allows us to try new things and and really drive that innovation. I know in in ANZ we are a mature market, but we're relatively small. Um, the the benefit that that folks like I have work in work in our team is that I can work with some very successful small partners, but also some fairly large regional or multinational players as well. And we get exposure to that, and that level of diversity drives, I think, our team to work in a in a very much more holistic way than I think if they're focused on just a single type of partner. And I think looking at the larger macrocosm of APAC, I think that's that's really the benefit there as well, isn't it? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And that's why I think you know you need to look at, at the different levels of learnings as well, right? Yeah. When you work in a in a emerging market like a Vietnam or a Thailand, mm-hmm. uh, their challenges are different, right? Yeah. Uh, versus in India or Indonesia, where it's all about numbers, you know, huge yeah. population, huge opportunities from that perspective. And then you look at the other other side, which is more like ANZ, what your partners are used to. And partners even in Japan and Korea are used to is mm-hmm. a market which is very well matured, right? Yeah. And there is, uh, there is definitely a different level of awareness that needs to be there, right? Mm-hmm. From partner perspective as well. And if you look at the past, right? In the past, the way it has happened is, uh, look at mainframe, for example, right? Mainframe yeah. never came into emerging markets. It never came mm-hmm. to India, Indonesia, any of these. What they did was they really jumped from yeah. going from PCs into Unix servers, right? And they completely mm-hmm. skipped the middle level. What they did was they didn't have to build the road and then drive on it. They yeah. actually yeah. just started flying on the road that was available to them versus <laughs> the that. other markets where we actually yeah. had to build the road so that we can drive, right? So that's something that still exists in the cloud. And I think that's the advantage that we have to actually you know, go after. It's it it's a lovely analogy. I love that, Diviesh. It's it's brilliant. Um, certainly, from speaking to some of my my colleagues who work uh, in in SaaS transformation, one of the things that they they talk to me about a lot is especially with the um, the opening of our AWS region in Jakarta, is that a lot of the partners in ASEAN they've almost leapfrogged that that legacy period where in ANZ, for example, we we've seen a lot of line of business lift and shift migrations, and now we're looking at how to modernize those applications. What we're seeing across ASEAN, I think, is the fact that folks don't have to go through that transformation. You alluded to mainframe. Mainframes are fantastic. They're super resilient. They drive some really good outcomes. But we now need to work out how to modernize those applications. Whereas if you can leapfrog that, you're going straight to that high-value cloud-native application, those SaaS applications, without actually having to go through that that remodernization and legacy approach. Absolutely. And, and I think we need to be aware and be ready to take advantage yeah. of that, right? I think that's the message that I like to leave with. I think it's a key key thing to also bear in mind that that disruption. Uh, if we're aware of what those partners in ASEAN are potentially doing with with application modernization at the next level, then potentially our, our AWS partners need to be aware of what those best practices look like and actually start to leverage some of those. Yeah, and I'll, I'll give you an example from my past, which mm-hmm. uh, which more on on premises side, right? But if you look at in the past, you know, you you look at a business like a telco, right? We yeah. had a large uh, telco business in ANZ, right? Yeah, they telco measures everything based on ARPU. ARPU stands for annual uh, average revenue per user, right? Right. For Australia telco, that uh, ARPU was about one hundred and twenty dollars. Okay, right? fantastic. Awesome. Which seems great. Com- yep. 
Uh, absolutely. One of the highest in, well, the highest in APAC, but probably one of mm-hmm. the highest, you know, globally. You compare that to a telco in India. Their mm-hmm. ARPU was about $10, right? Obviously, right. they had millions of users, but their ARPU mm-hmm. average revenue was only $10. So think about the difference between $120 per user versus $10 per user. But when you compare them both, the profitability of the Indian telco was much, much higher than that of the ANZ telco. Right. And the main reason was the underlying infrastructure and how it was being used. Mm -hmm. Right. So the Australian telco was using the infrastructure at, you know, less than 20 percent utilization. Yeah. Whereas the India, the telco was using it over 90 percent utilization, almost 95 percent utilization. Right. So they were getting a lot out of the investment that they had made. Now, you know, here's where we can learn from each other. Right. Mm -hmm. So. A telco in India can learn from a telco in ANZ and say, hey, how do you have such a huge average revenue per user? Mm-hmm. How do I increase my ARPU? Do I need to offer more value-added services to my customers? Right? Yep. And that actually helps them be more profitable from increasing their ARPU perspective. Mm-hmm. A telco in Australia may be able to go to India and say, you know what? I can certainly share that with you, but how about you tell me? How are you running your infrastructure at 95% without losing any you know, yeah. connectivity or being still able to provide the services that you provide? So mm. that I'm, I'm giving an example from the past life, but that still exists today, right? We it's have still hugely valid, isn't it? Le- Absolutely. Yeah. We still have different maturity levels. We still have different ways that people innovate on these things, right? And yeah. how can we actually put them together? So that both of them can increase their efficiency. Both of them can use, you know, uh, make make more profit, right? Um, that's that's what we need to talk about. I think that's a that's an amazing example because ultimately, to get to get that ARPU, but also get that profitability through that utilization, that's something which cloud is amazing because the we don't have to have that massive investment in order to get the reward of that. We can use that same business model at a much more scaled down approach, for example, in ANZ. India, of course, with a significantly larger population base, um, economies of scale become very important, but cloud actually gives us those economies of scale anyway. So I love the way you phrase that. There's very much it's a win-win approach because certainly we can learn from what folks are doing in India to really drive that profitability through that cost efficiency. And I think thinking about the macroeconomic conditions that we're all exposed to today, we really need to be paying attention to what's happening because we're all going to be under the same cost pressures. I think we're well aware that that um, India is a very value-focused market. Um, folks are very keen to make sure that they're driving the maximum possible amount of value out of their infrastructure. And by being able to operate 95% utilization rates but still serve their customers, that requires a huge amount of maturity in your operational processes to make sure that you're maintaining that availability. Isn't that the case? Yeah, and also, you also need to be aware that there's a lot of fluidity in how the partners are engaging, right? When I talk to partners in India or even in ASEAN, even in Korea, right? Mm. They are looking at two ways of growth. One is obviously growth within the country, but the second is growth outside of country, right? And a lot of them are looking at ANZ as a market that they can grow in, right? So more competition for our partners in ANZ. But in <laughs> reality, true. you know, they have they have been able to do something where they feel that now I can take this 
to a mature mm. market like ANZ, and I can actually benefit, right? I'd be, I, they can make money as well as the customers would be willing to bet on them, right? And they're, so partners across APJ, yeah. right? Maybe not as much in Japan because of some language challenges or Korea mm-hmm. to a certain degree, but otherwise they are looking at expanding, right? Big yeah. time into rest of APAC, right? So I'm no longer mm. an India partner or an ANZ partner who has been only partner. in those countries. Yeah, you are an yeah. APAC wide partner. You are willing to go where the growth is. You're willing to go where your skills can actually add value to the customer, right? And that's what they're looking at doing. I suppose this is a really interesting opportunity for some of our ANZ partners who've actually built that deep specialization, which maybe could be complemented by some of these APAC partners. If you think about cost optimization, to get really good cost optimization, you have to have been doing it for a while. And I can see the benefits of potentially partnering with those partners who are really good at some of those um, uh, complementary domains to to really accelerate customer outcomes. And I think uh, that's that's something which our partners need to be aware of because potentially that's a way to make this another win-win and win for the customer, of course, as well, uh, scenario. Yeah, let me, I mean, uh, cost optimization is a, is a very hot topic for me. I'd love to talk about that. Mm-hmm. And I think just to also clarify a little bit, right? Cost optimization doesn't mean cost cutting, right? What it really yeah. means is how do I how do I optimize what I have, right? The example I was giving about 15 to, you know, less than 20% utilization on my hardware. How can I optimize my, you know, cost by making it 90%? It's the same scenario here. There are a lot of opportunities where we can optimize our cost, right? Mm. Now, when you look at a market like Vietnam, right? Extremely cost sensitive, right? You look at a market like Indonesia, India, all these markets are extremely cost sensitive. Can we learn something from them? Can we learn something from this cost-sensitive market in terms of how are they supporting their customers and then export that to a mature market like NNZ, right? The other side of this is, you know, we shouldn't think of cost optimization as losing revenue, right? It really doesn't turn into a loss of revenue. It actually, when the cost optimization happens, it's actually unlocking funding for other projects that they may not be do otherwise, right? So customers look at the funding that comes out of cost optimization to invest in other projects. And guess yeah. what? For partners, it's a win-win, right? You do cost optimization, the customer is happy, you're earning trust with the customer. At the same time, the money that's available from saving some costs and saving some money for the partner for the customer is now being aligned to another project, which we can engage with them and say, yeah. hey, I can help you with this project and executing on that one. So, you know, it's a it's a win-win. It's something that we definitely are seeing across, right? You, you see even mm-hmm. not only the cost-sensitive markets, but other markets as well. With the economy, the way the economy is, it's become a big one that everybody wants to look at. And instead of pausing future projects, let's yeah. optimize this one so actually I can make that future project happen as well. I think that's such a great point to make. We often think that cost optimization is cutting, and I, and I have this conversation with quite a few partners, whereas really what we need to be explaining about is ensuring that your costs represent the value that you're getting from your workload. For example, there's no CFO that, that I know that would not be unhappy with paying a bit more as long as the value they're getting from that workload is growing significantly faster than their cost base is growing. They just need to ensure that that cost is, is driving that result and value that they need. And I think to your point you mentioned some of those cost-sensitive markets. 
The reality is that with the current economic climate and, and inflationary pressures, every market is now cost sensitive. We This is a new normal. And I think unless we, we pay a great deal of attention to that, it's going to manifest in slightly different ways. I think with more mature market, we tend to look at taking operational cost out of the business. Um, but I think the same is going to be true of everywhere. And those, those lessons have to be learned. But most importantly, I think, is your point about how once you reduce cost, that reinvestment opportunity is is there. But the only way that you as a partner are going to gain the benefit of that is if you already establish yourself as that trusted advisor for that customer to make sure that you are pretty much front of mind when they need to think about how they're going to unlock further value um, and drive more projects. You have to have already delivered great results to begin with because really it's about delivering the right outcomes for customers um, so you can be there for that next project, isn't it? Absolutely. You have a foot in the door, right? Yeah. Um, I have two more things I wanted to talk about, if that's okay. Yeah, go for it. Uh, Right. So the other one I want to really emphasize on is uh, all about digital transformation, right? Yeah. So uh, I came across, I was reading a survey, uh, this was ANZ-based one, that said, you know, when when inquired with CTOs, 41% of ANZ CTOs said that they are either migrating or planning to migrate. Mm-hmm. their application portfolio to the cloud, yep. right? And their goal is 60% of their application portfolio should be on cloud in the next two years. And eventually, a lot of them wanted 100% of their application migrate, you know, application to be in the cloud in the future, yep. right? Maybe five years, seven years down the line. Now, uh, we often talk about migration as digital transformation, right? Mm-hmm. But migration is just the starting point, right? It's yep. not the end product, it's not the, it doesn't give you the desired outcome, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, customers are going through this, you know, they're gonna see the benefits only after modernization happens following a migration, right? Absolutely. We hear about, we hear about data as a new currency, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if, you, if you really want to take advantage of the data and make it into a currency, you start with a migration that mm-hmm. converts customers' data, but it becomes a currency only after modernization, right? Till then, it is still data. So don't stop at mo- uh, migration. Actually continue with modernization. Um, right now, the buzzword is all about Gen AI, and you know it's a hot topic. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to know, know about it. Everybody wants to talk about it. It's, all, it's on CXO's mind, right? So to yeah. deploy a successful LLM uh, for Gen AI, a language learning model for a Gen AI, you need really high quality data, right? That's mm-hmm. a given. If you want to really have relevant and specific results from a Gen AI deployment, you want your own data, which is high quality, to your specific use cases. So if you just do migration, it's not going to cut it, right? You yep. actually need to migrate, modernize, and provide that data that will help you with the digital transformation, including with Mm -hmm. Gen AI, right? You don't have to do Gen AI, but that data to become currency, you still have to modernize. You still be able to access the data in whichever format you want it in, right? So we shouldn't stop at migration. It's a starting point. Customers may not see the results till modernization happens. And that's Mm -hmm. the whole digital transformation journey. Absolutely. I think that's a really important point to make because very often we tend to focus on migration as being the event. But migration, as as you know, I've spoken about previously, it's the start of that journey. Because the reality is every 
every migration opportunity is really a data opportunity. And I think this is borne out by the experience of some of our some of our partners who work across migrations and also data. Once you've earned that trust and you've you've migrated that workload and you can start to understand exactly where the data sits in that workload, the, the modernization has to include data as well. I think we often speak about modernization purely in terms of applications, but the reality is there's no way you can modernize the application without modernizing the, the data that sits underneath it to really truly unlock the value. Once you've done that, you've started as a partner to develop a really deep and intimate view of the data that sits within that organization. So really, I think the customer expectation is that partners should be the one to put up their hand and say, hey, have you considered unlocking this data, the value that sits in the data in a new and interesting way? Because I've been working with it for a while, modernizing it to make sure that modern applications start to work as well. Yeah, and I think the lot of times if you don't do that, the customer is going to see more cost of migration after migration because they're mm -hmm. not seeing the value of modernization, right? So yeah, let's yeah. not stop there. We need to focus on that. Got to keep going. The third one that I wanted to talk about, really, again, uh, focusing on what I'm seeing across APJ. Um, the third one I want to talk about is, you know, bill versus buy. Uh, ah, we've yes. been having yep, this yep. conversation on Bill versus by uh, Jaime, who's our APJ sales leader. Um, you know, he sets himself uh, uh, insights based on his customer interactions and buying patterns of customers. Right? Mm -hmm. What his what what we've seen is that customers are continuing to buy for efficiency, yep. and they are building for differentiation. Right? Mm -hmm. So it's not buy versus build. Right, or build versus buy. It's buy and build or build and buy. So anytime you have something available to help customer be more efficient, they mm -hmm. will readily buy it, right? Yep. But if they want to show differentiation, either as a competitive, uh, you know, being more competitive or trying to get into a new market, the differentiation help uh, would happen only with the build process, right? So yep. it's buy and build both. Now, let's look at it from a partner perspective. Right. Mm -hmm. So when we can build solutions that help customers be more efficient, right, mm -hmm. and that would become something that they would buy to make them more efficient. Having done that, we can also work with our partners to build solutions for them that will actually provide them the competitive advantage. Right. Mm -hmm. So building solutions for one is for efficiency, but then working with partners who we can engage you know, have worked with them in the past. We've continued to talk to them about other areas. Talk about, you know, how can we make you more competitive? How yeah. can we provide you a competitive edge over somebody else in your market or try and get into a new market and building mm -hmm. those solutions with them, right? Because yeah. they may not want to buy a ready-made solution. They want to look at it from their perspective. So mm -hmm. can we build that solution with them, right? So we should be prepared for both. Yeah. Building something, so they can be sold, but also working with them, uh, sorry, uh, building something that they would buy, but also working with them to build their own solution for their own organizations. So that's my think, third uh, thing that I've noticed. No, that's, and I think that's really important to, to point out because certainly with a lot of the partners that we work with, um, as they make the pivot to repeatability and solutions, very often that that is almost acting against the grain a bit because these these partners we work with they're builders they they like to get stuck in and, and make stuff and i think a lot of our message around let's let's let, let's harness that in the right way so that you're actually building the right things is important and i think this is where our isvs uh, play a huge part 
because that potentially allows our partners to level up on that efficiency basis and then focus on that high value differentiated stuff because really that's where the value is to our customers because ultimately differentiation is is how you get head and shoulders above the rest and very often we have conversations with our partners around the importance of differentiation specialization and that can be quite challenging to a lot of consulting partners who very often are very skilled across a very wide range of of domains but the reality is if 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 you as as an account manager are looking for a particular partner you're looking for one who's actually gone super deep in a particular domain who's actually earned trust with customers previously to drive outcomes as opposed to just provided services isn't that the case absolutely absolutely and we have a lot of those cases across mm. uh, across apj right nice. how customers uh, how partners are succeeding in playing in both those areas or multiple of these areas mm. Devesh, I think as we as we look like we're running out of time, I'd love if you could think about what are those top three things that you'd love our ANZ partners to be to be putting front of mind and potentially looking at what they could do starting tomorrow based on the learnings that you can apply from across the APAC region. Absolutely. So I'll um, it'll be a little blunt. Uh, please, uh, <laughs> that's I'll okay. You go for it. Blunt is good. We I like think- blunt. Yeah, so I think from looking from one perspective, which is, you know, let's not sit on what we've done and be yep. happy because we are in a market which is mature enough and mm-hmm. we can actually reap the benefits of the mature market that we have. If mm-hmm. we sit there being happy, we're not going to go after and learn about what else is happening. So really mm-hmm. focus on what else can we do for our customers. Yep. And we can actually definitely learn that from what's going on outside, right? So cost optimization I talked about, mm-hmm. you you touched on it as well, right? The current market conditions mean that each and every customer is looking at way, ways of cost optimization, right? So yeah. let's let's work on those and not worry about, hey, I don't have to worry because I'm in a mature market. I'm not in uh, Indonesia or Vietnam where I need mm-hmm. to worry about cost. It does. It does matter. So let's focus on that. And the reason why I was saying I want to be blunt about it is because if we don't, guess what? There are partners who are very motivated outside of ANZ who are mm. going to jump into ANZ and say, you know what, I can do this for you and I can do this at a cheaper price. Yeah. Let me do it for you, right? So we need to, it's not about just about um, cost of doing business, but it's also how do we encourage our partners, our customers to engage with us on different conversations? Just not yeah. about uh, you know, we need to initiate the conversation on cost optimization, for example. We need to initiate the conversation on modernization. We need to initiate the conversation on bill versus buy. Those are the three topics I talked about, right? Mm-hmm. It's something that we shouldn't be sitting on and saying, hey, my I have a maturity, I have a maturity curve with my partners. I don't need to worry. We do need to be, we can't be complacent. We need to yeah. worry about others jumping in. And trust me, I have partners from ANZ who wants to go to ASEAN and other countries. Mm-hmm which will be fantastic. I want to see more of those because yes, these, these you know, markets which are maturing are going to get to a stage where ANZ is in terms of maturity right now. Yeah. And these partners can see that as a benefit. So you are ahead in certain aspects, take advantage of that by trying mm-hmm. to jump into these markets, which will get to your maturity level at some point, And you can yeah. actually show them how to take advantage of things that you've done with some of your customers who are mature enough. At the same time, we can learn from others where they have done things with their customers, which can apply to our customers, even though your customers may not be thinking about it. Right? Yeah. 
So those are the two main areas I would like to focus on. 100%. And I think it's important, again, to revisit the importance of the expansion opportunity for our ANZ partners. It's it's clearly the way you've articulated, I think, is brilliant. I'd love everyone to pay a lot of attention to that. Other markets will be where our market is now. So it's worthwhile thinking long-term about that opportunity and think very strategically about how potentially we can take the value we've created and be ready to meet those markets when they get there. And and that can't be a reactive activity. That's something our partners need to be thinking about now. And also working with folks like uh, myself and you to think about how they can actually make those connections and drive those connections into those into those markets too, which I think is a brilliant point. Because um, ultimately, it it's a fluid environment. I think partners have got a lot to to offer across the region. And one of the great things about living in this region is the fact that we've got that diversity. That diversity breeds such a great vibrancy of innovation, which I think we can all learn from. We we can't just be complacent and sit in one place and, and, and ignore it um, because we're missing out. And really, our, our customers are missing out too. And we're here to delight our customers. And that's what we need to be doing so we can continue to innovate and invent on their behalf, I think, because that's certainly what we try to do at AWS. Absolutely. And I, 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 I do want to recognize that a lot of partners in NZ are doing a lot of these things, right? They're mm-hmm. already working on areas. I know that partners in NZ who wants to actually move into ASEAN and, you know, mm-hmm. have uh, expand in ASEAN as well. So it's not that all of them are like that. But my point is, let's be more intentional, more let's deliberate be mindful. about yeah, doing this. Them. Yeah. Daviesh, I think that's that's fantastic. Unfortunately, that's that's all we've got time for. It's been amazing talking to you today, and um, it, we've got some really fantastic insights on 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 what we can do moving forward. So, thanks for spending time with us. Always a pleasure, and um, thanks. Nice for talking. Nice talking to you. Thanks for inviting me. More than welcome. Thanks very much. And for me, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Partner Buzz, and we look forward to joining us in an upcoming next episode. Thank you very much.